Hello, everyone, and welcome to this episode of the Best Pictures Podcast. I'm Ian, and this is Maggie. And on this episode, we are doing the 50th Best Picture winner, Annie Hall. Annie Hall is a 1977 romantic comedy directed, co-written by, and starring Woody Allen. It was also co-written by Marshall Brickman and also stars Diane Keaton, who is fabulous in it. She's so good. Yeah. It's basically about an annoying, selfish, neurotic guy ruining his relationships and then going, huh, I wonder what went wrong. I, I have no disagreement there, except that he, your description might be a little too self-aware, as in the character you describe <laughs> as too self-aware. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's, um, I, if you, look, like, read the description on, like, any other, like, IMDb or Wikipedia or whatever, I was like, I don't think it quite encapsulates what happened. <laughs> I I would agree. I They make it sound a lot more charming than it was. Exactly. We'll get into why a little bit later. It was nominated for five awards and won four of them. So Best Picture, Woody Allen won for Best Director, Diane Keaton won for Best Actress, which we fully support. And Woody Allen and Marshall Brickman won for Best Original Screenplay. Woody Allen was also nominated for Best Actor. Uh... I'm okay with it. I think a lot of people like really tie this character to him as a person so i don't mm-hmm. i don't know like how much of it is like you're like oh it's just him but like how much of that is like because of how famous this role is yeah that's true granted in his other films that i have seen him in he does play similar ish characters um usually from the the few that i have seen they're not quite this level Well, and to be clear, I do think the writing was actively good. Agreed. And there are some funny one-liners. Honestly, I think you and I, we're going to go up front. We just had a huge problem with the main character of Alvy Singer. Yeah. And because I hated that character so much, like the rest of the movie was good. Like it is technically brilliant. Other aspects of the movie I really liked, but because... I disliked the main character so much and I couldn't really find anything redeeming in that character. It was hard to watch. I I would agree with that. And it's, it it comes down to, to that making his relationships seem so fake. Cause I, I have a hard time understanding how these women he's talking about would ever want to be with him. Yeah. There's no, there's no really like charming aspect to him that you're like, oh, that's why they fell for him. Like it's, yeah, we'll we'll get more into it. Yeah, but we're, you know, that opinion I don't think is super popular. It is a very well known, very well beloved movie. Um, it appears on many of the American Film Institute's lists. So it was number thirty one for top one hundred, dropped to number thirty five in the tenth anniversary for like their one hundred best films. It was number four on 100 laughs, number 11 on 100 passions, which makes me go, hmm. (laughs) Yeah. Seems like old times was number 90 in the top 100 songs. La-di-da, la-di-da is the number 55 on their top 100 quotes. And and this is the one that I'm like, "Uh, excuse me? It was number two on their like 10 of 10, where they went through 10 different genres. Number two for romantic comedy. I just... It. Uh, Do you want to know what it beat too? This is what y- made me mad. Yes. Was what I looked up what it beat. So it was number two after City Lights. It beat. It happened one night. Oh no! Unacceptable. Thank you, podcast favorite. It beat Roman Holiday. 
It beat Philadelphia Story. It beat When Harry Met Sally. And it beat Moonstruck and Sleepless in Seattle. Okay, I've seen three of those and enjoyed them all better or more rather than uh, Annie Hall. I mean, yeah, I just... Uh, what I didn't get out of this movie, I didn't come away from it going, oh, that was so romantic. Oh, absolutely not. And not in like a, a, a really sappy way that the stereotypical modern rom-com often gets, uh, I guess, unfairly saddled with, you know, right. the like, it's lowbrow movie, whatever, whatever. They're like legitimately good rom-coms, but it just wasn't romantic. It was just this one Ever. somewhat misanthropic dude just being an asshole and for yeah. some reason women were still staying with him i just i can't <laughs> yeah i think i think that's what got me was i was just like i don't understand why this is happening other nominees from that year before we jump further into this the goodbye girl julia the turning point and star wars oh. ian we could have watched star wars i would have so much rather have watched Star Wars. Me too. Oh my god. I uh, oh, that one hurt. That one really hurt. All right, let's talk about Annie Hall. Yeah, yeah, we can. We can. So again, like we've said, technically speaking, I think this movie is great. Like Agreed. the introduction feels so incredibly modern and fresh with that one shot of him just talking about his past, uh, sorry, his childhood, and then moving into that flashback of his childhood, like, it was so cool. It immediately breaks the fourth wall, which is something that they do throughout the film. Mm -hmm. um, and I like that they establish that right at the at the beginning, like, this film's going to be a little bit different. And I, I do like the way it kind of set up. It very much sets up Woody Allen's style of dialogue and dialogue delivery, which is mm -hmm. very fast. I had to pause quite a bit to like take notes and stuff to make sure I was like not missing stuff. Um, but it's very fast and it's all kind of delivered in a very similar tone, mm -hmm. which I think is like a very particular style of comedy. Yeah, for sure. Which sometimes I'm into, sometimes I'm not. I didn't mind it here. Not it, not in the intro. I didn't mind it in the intro, certainly. It also, yeah. like, it gives us a very quick intro to his character and, like, a very quick understanding of Alvy Singer. Mm -hmm. Like, those flashbacks in particular. One, I, I loved the kind of, maybe it was misremembering, maybe it wasn't, of him literally living under the Coney Island roller coaster and the way they shook the frame of the camera when uh, the roller coaster went by and all that stuff. So it was... It, incredibly engaging to be honest and then we got into the school scenes too where there was some fantastic writing leading into that talking about oh people who can't do teach people who can't teach teach gym and apparently people who can't do any of that were all assigned to his school like that was some really fun witty writing mm -hmm. but then we start getting into the the themes more around how he was always extremely interested in the opposite sex and I don't know. There's some things that they do. I like to do. call this, they show us that Alvy was always a creep. Uh, yeah. So like unprompted kid Alvy just like goes up and kisses his classmate. But the thing that they do is they then they replace kid Alvy with adult Alvy in that scene. And he's like talking to the teacher and the kids, which like I love this conceptually. Uh -huh. But like the whole conversation is it's already setting up this idea that like as far as he concern is concerned, like 
anytime anybody's criticizing him about something he's doing or being like, hey, maybe you shouldn't do that or like that's not how a relationship should work, he assumes it's their problem. Like he's already deflecting. Yeah. And so it, I don't know, I didn't didn't appreciate that part. But again, like some really engaging stylistic choices visually. It's shot so well and it's interesting the way it's done. I just, I hated... (laughs) the things that the character was saying and I hated the way that he's like already being like it's not my fault kind of Mm -hmm. thing which is going to be a theme throughout the movie and as you were saying earlier where he's kind of talking about like as a kid like maybe you're just misremembering I wish that they had like carried that through to be like you're misremembering the relationship yeah I, I think if you give a very, very, very generous reading of this film, which I don't personally give it, the whole film could be that. But I I think that's too... It could, yes, I think it's too generous. They should, yeah. I wish they had leaned into it more and carried it all the way through. So anyway, we, we move back to modern day and he's talking with his one bud about God knows what. Basically... It, it's more of him deflecting. And I, I, I do want to say in that opening monologue, so I was watching it with... Um, many times special guest uh sangita and she just looked at me she's like i've met this guy at parties and i hate him (laughs) oh so good so incredibly good but we do realize early on that he's like a minor celebrity in the city he's waiting for his girlfriend annie at the movies and gets accosted by a couple like fans he acts like he hates this but the way we see him interact with people other times in the film, I'm like, you love the attention. He yeah. does. He loves the attention. And then later when Annie starts to get some attention, which there's a scene in particular I'll bring up, uh, he seems a little miffed about it. Mm, was that the one at an, uh, oh no, that was the one at an hour and eight minutes, not at an hour and 28 minutes. Yes, it was. Ian kept texting me uh, time markers for when I was going to get enraged. <laughs> I feel like I was two for two, but that's just <laughs> you me. <laughs> were. You were, but also I was enraged a lot of the time. So, Well, shades of gray at this point. So anyway, we, we get an introduction to Annie. She's apparently late, but okay, you're going to a movie. They're like two minutes late. Yeah. And also like movies never start on time. Like the time that's for the movie is the time that the like 10 minutes of trailers start. Yeah. But there are two things about the scene that are like so telling for this character of Alvi. One, he's like, you're in a bad mood. It's because you're PMSing. I felt my eyes jump out of my skull. I like his whole thing Mm, is like, you're in a bad mood. Yes. He's like, (laughs) you're in a bad mood. You must be about to start your period. And she's like, I'm not. And every time I'm in a bad mood, you say that, which like the fuck. Yeah. What a stereotype, if I'm being generous. It's it's completely, it's a way to just completely sideline a woman's feelings by being like, oh, you're just being hormonal or you're just being emotional. Mm-hmm. Like it's it's not recognizing the fact that like maybe she's in a bad mood because she has a really shitty boyfriend. <laughs> well, so he, again, he won't it's see not, that. It's not his fault. It's something mm-hmm. else. It's, it's something with her. Exactly. Well, and obviously it's with her because she's late and now they can't go in even though it's two minutes after. That is the second thing about this scene where I'm like, you really can't miss two minutes of a film and it be okay. She's like, it's the titles maybe. And he's like, no, I just can't do it. So he insists that they go see this documentary that they've gone to see like several times about like uh, World War II and the Holocaust 
which I mean, it looks like a very beautifully shot documentary, but also it does seem very sad. It does. Well, and honestly, the way that they they transitioned between that scene at the theater and I think the scene in line, that was cool because it looked like scenes from that film that they supposedly watched that documentary. So again, with the technical aspects coming through, but the like character ruining it for me. Yes. Yo, agreed. Well, and I love the bit in line. So they're standing in line waiting and there's this guy behind them who is a different kind of insufferable bore. <laughs> I just, I don't know why all of the men in this movie are so terrible. Cause like there's not a single man, like male character in this movie that isn't horrible. And I don't understand why. Like, is it just so that like Alvi doesn't look as bad or something, but he still looks terrible. Like, yeah. I don't get it. I don't understand it. But anyway, this guy is like droning on and on about like all these different films. I think he drops like Ingmar Bergman at some point, or he's talking about Fellini's Eight and a Half at one point, which I have seen and actually really did enjoy. But uh, it's like he's just being like over, like trying to prove he's smart in mm-hmm. the way he's talking about them. Um Alvi hates but, this. Yes. Like is making is, aside comments to Annie and she's like, just ignore it. Calm down. Yes, like he's getting so worked up over it. And then it's super ironic because for the rest of the film, we watch Alvi try and do the like, I'm going to sound fancy, but say nothing. Yeah. In order to like try and impress and everything. So we watch him do the thing that's been driving him mad. Anyway, they do a really cool fourth wall break where this guy has brought up, um, I can't remember the name, but it was some guy who was like a big cultural name at the time or whatever. The guy's saying something about like, this person's work and what it means. And he's like, well, that person would disagree with you. I'll ask him and like brings the guy into frame who mm-hmm. just like tells the annoying guy who from line off and being like, oh no, you completely misinterpreted my work. And Alvi looks straight at the camera and is like, don't you wish life could be like that sometimes? I love this that. This could bit. have been like, so that's cool. A <laughs> like that's such a great bit. But but like I'm already so mad at him because his girlfriend yeah. was like, I'm in a bad mood, and instead of being like, Oh, what's wrong? Do you want to talk about it? He was like, Oh, you must be on your period. There you go. So I already hate him. So anyway, we're we now there in bed, and she's just you know doing her reading thing, and and Alvi's being his normal like, Hey, we should uh, have sexy time self, and she's like, Not right now. That Not seems to right be now. the only way he really wants to interact with her or, or really any, any women who he dates he exactly. gets very not happy if they want to have a conversation I, I will say not all of them because we immediately get a flashback to allison where it's really interesting that the reverse is kind of true very you know what you're right i take it back well no i ultimately i agree with true. you yeah yes Yes. Ultimately, I totally agree with you that that is his his, like main mode. (laughs) So don't get me wrong there. But the flashback to Allison, who was his, were they married? First wife? Yeah, his first wife. Okay. We get a somewhat interesting introduction at a political uh, like rally where he's going on as entertainment Um, Mm -hmm. and get a lot about him being his neurotic self little bit from Allison, who is the like stage manager trying to like get these acts on in time doing that thing. Who we learn is she's very intelligent. Yeah. And like very calm and chill. Well, and she has a the best line about how she loves being reduced to a stereotype when he yes. like actively tries to steamroll her and be like, I'm going to tell you exactly who you are, which appreciated her volleying that back. Right. But it never leads to anything. It doesn't, sadly. 
But this starts a pattern that we start seeing in Alvi's relationships. And this pattern seems to be that he basically finds a pretty smart, you know, successful or incapable woman mm-hmm. and then somehow gets her to date him or marry him twice, apparently. And then he starts to nitpick and everything is wrong. Like he can't ever be happy. Like he'll be like, I want you to do this thing. And then the woman does the thing and he's like, oh, but I don't like the result. Or like, I don't want you to do it that way. Like it's, it's basically we're watching him just like destroy his own relationships with his own neuroses. Yeah. He wants to be in charge and micromanage. But the, the problem is, and I think he, he as a character, does say that he does not want to be with the women that he wants to be with. He pulls out some quote. They introduce it at the beginning, and it's a famous quote by Groucho Marx. And, uh, but I think according to the movie, he took it from like Freud or something. But it's when there was a, so the Marx brothers were Jewish, and there was a country club, like a very high-end country club or something that like Groucho Marx applied to and they wouldn't let him in because he was Jewish. And so his famous quote is, well, I would never want to be a part of a club that would want someone like me as a member anyway. And it was kind of this very like self-deprecating humor Mm -hmm. in order to brush aside something that was like really awful. And so Alvi kind of uses that as like a framing for his relationships. And we see it firsthand because again he's having this political conversation about the conspiracy to assassinate jfk (laughs) and allison is keeping up and trying to banter with him but is also like it's bedtime come over here you're using this to avoid having sex with me yeah (laughs) and then another fourth wall break and he's like oh you know what i am and i'm like are but are you learning anything from it no, he never learns anything from any of this, Ian, which is why it makes me so mad at the end. I would be, honestly, I would be so okay with this movie if, like, Alvi was his terrible self for the majority of the movie and then actually comes away with some sort of character arc and having learned something by the end yeah. of it, but he doesn't. Oh, I wish. Now, j- just as a heads up, we uh, this is whole film. The way that it's put together, I think, flows beautifully. That being said, we're going to talk through it kind of like in a slightly more chronological order (laughs) so that we can keep it straight for ourselves. So moving into his second life, I think we see some additional like self-sabotaging behavior. Like the main scene we Mm -hmm. get with her is the party where she is like leading him through the crowd, talking about all of the different accolades that all of these members have and all of the stuff. And he just doesn't want any of it. And this is after we have discovered that he really does value some intellectual... He says he values it. it yes. But then whenever surrounded by people who... I I think it goes with the insecurity of his character is that he says he prizes intellectualism, but whenever he's surrounded by people who can actually challenge him, he just reverts to meanness in the guise of comedy. Yeah. Like it's only snide remarks like he and honestly throughout basically the entire film he never says a nice thing to anyone or really about anyone unless it's to a woman he wants to sleep with. Then he'll be nice. Yeah. But like I I really do think like we're seeing him like he's sabotaging the relationship again with his own insecurity. Mhm. Well, and that's where he gets 
in that party just goes off by himself and watches sports, which again, I'm sorry, what you watch sports. This is a key like thing of your personality. What that we only see happen one time. Uh, Yeah. Uh, Okay. And then he's like mad that his second wife doesn't like sports or something. Apparently. Well, and he's also mad that she won't have sex with him randomly in this party's like bedroom. It's away from the crowd. (laughs) In somebody else's bedroom. Like I, there's also this movie. It reduces like men and women in relationships to like certain like sexual stereotypes Uh and then also even like cultural stereotypes talking about where he's like well she doesn't like sports it's like i don't and i'm glad that you said that because in a lot of this film i was getting some symbio psychotaxi plasm vibes because like between the editing that was a little bit avant-garde the reducing of alvi and his wives to these like core stereotypes that we saw repeated over and over and over in symbio like it was an interesting evolution but not very satisfying unlike symbio psychotaxiplasm well and especially because i don't feel like there was any effort to undermine some of those stereotypes later i do think diane keaton's performance let's start getting into the character of annie i do think her performance gives layers to a character and a stereotype that could have been very, very flat if not done by such a skilled actress. Agreed. And to be clear, it's not that she wasn't given good writing to work with, but she was playing off of Alvi, who's like a fucking wooden door. (laughs) Well, here's what I will say about the writing. The writing is really good in like the way the words are put together. The writing is not very good in the fact that Alvi has absolutely zero character arc and he is the absolute main character of this movie, Undisputed. Mm-hmm. Annie, I think, gets a little bit of one, but not a huge one. And so yeah. that's where I would say, like, talking when we say, like, the writing's really good, I want to separate the actual construction of the story versus the words that are being spoken. Yeah. Well, and the isolated jokes, uh, save for the racist, misogynistic, and homophobic ones, which were are sprinkled not uncommon, throughout. were actually really good. <laughs> so again, it's it's I'm I, I think for me, normally the saying is that the whole is better than the sum of the parts, but for me, kind of the reverse is true, where the whole is worse than the individual parts summed together. Like, I don't know. I agree. Well, and I think it's because it's because a huge, there's one thing wrong with the film other than the, well, I was going to say other than the racism, misogyny, and homophobia, but if the character grows and changes and then all of those and has like realizations and those things change, mm-hmm. then those really aren't an issue and they're more of a character evolution. But um, just the main character, like the fact that the main character is so annoying (laughs) and such a terrible person and doesn't learn anything, it just, it's such a, it's one flaw, but it's a big one. Yes. And I don't mind a dislike, I don't mind like a a quote unquote bad protagonist. I, I would actually prefer like my characters and my protagonists in particular to have like shades of gray or to have flaws and things mm-hmm. about them that aren't good. But like you got to have at least one redeeming factor and there are no redeeming factors. He, he's funny, Maggie. That's all he needs. He's not that funny though. <laughs> and also, yes, I feel like this is the the um, quintessential example of the like quote unquote funny nice guy. 
Yeah. Who's like super entitled and they're like, I don't understand like why I don't get girls. Like I'm such a nice guy. I'm so funny. And like, therefore I'm entitled to these like incredibly accomplished, intelligent women. And I don't understand why, like what their issue is. Common factor, dude. Common factor. <laughs> That's all you need to look at. So anyway, Annie's introduction, I very much liked. So they're playing tennis, but it comes to the end when they're leaving and she is dressed. The tennis fashion, amazing. Yeah. The fashion in general, amazing. Well, and I was reading that Diane Keaton actually kind of just did most of that fashion herself, uh, which I think is just iconic. Yeah. Especially I read that one with similar. the vest and the like tie, that whole outfit, great. That outfit is actually actually became super popular in the seventies and was known as the Annie Hall look. Oh, love it! So love yeah, it. like absolutely iconic fashion, and I'm so here for it. Mm-hmm. But it's that set of scenes where we start to see their relationship forming. That I mean, I saw a bunch of red flags. I don't know why Annie didn't. Yeah, like the the offhand comments when she invites him up for some wine at her apartment about Sylvia Plath, and I'm like, okay, this. This made me Ugh. so angry. I actually wrote this down because I, I do actually have an issue with this. Um, he Because she has a lot of poetry and really likes poetry and everything, uh, whereas all the books he reads are about death or have death in the title. Well, and also, you're not intellectual enough, but you read a bunch of poetry and you enjoy poetry. Okay. Calm yeah, down, Alvy. He tries to talk about her, like Annie not being intellectual enough and... We'll get more into that. But anyway, his his Sylvia Plath quote is he goes, Sylvia Plath, interesting poetess, which I feel like is demeaning, um, whose tragic suicide was misinterpreted as romantic by the college girl mentality. I bet he's never read The Bell Jar. He does not understand Plath or why a lot of especially younger women are drawn to him. Which is so ironic because the whole thing with Sylvia Plath, especially if you read The Bell Jar, which is mm-hmm. an incredibly realistic uh, depiction of depression and how women who were depressed in a certain time in this country were treated. Like the whole thing is that she is written off by society and mostly the men around her. And like no one, no one actually gives her the help that she needs. And it's like, how ironic then that you're sitting there trivializing her as like, oh, these young women who like romanticized this. And it's like, I don't think it's actually a romanticization so much of a, oh, I recognize aspects of myself in my life in this work. Yeah, you are attached to things that reflect your experience. Like (laughs) that doesn't make it lowbrow or not worthy of like intellectual engagement. Like, well, I don't know if he's so, like he is kind of like poo-pooing Sylvia Plath a little bit, but he's also like, denigrating the college girl mentality. Yes. The college girl mentality, which is like, it's like a thing that you still see today with people being often the things that teenage girls or like college age girls are interested in are the things that are like most derided by society. Yeah. Anyway, that's my soapbox. I will, I will climb off for a second, but I will keep it nearby because we might need it later. (laughs) And see again, this, this movie with just the parts are great. We roll into a great scene on the balcony with this really cool technique where they added kind of the the innermost thoughts as subtitles over their like surface level conversation about some literature, if I'm remembering correctly. It's her photography. 
Oh, it's her photography. Yeah, and he's doing the thing that the guy in line did that he got so mad about where he's just using all of these big words to try and sound smart about it, which I like in the thoughts. He kind of recognizes that he's doing. Yeah. But like, So why didn't you stop? <laughs> yeah, and we see their inner monologue and it's really interesting to me the differences in their inner monologues. Like, mm-hmm. Annie's worried that she's coming off as like a jerk or she's worried that like he won't like her. Whereas his are all just like, I wonder what she looks like naked. Yeah. Like, he, <laughs> the amount of confidence that this man weirdly sometimes has, I don't understand. But again, yeah. you're right. It's completely just defaulting to these relationship stereotypes. And that's, I just, I struggle to see the commentary on the stereotypes is, I, I think guess, that's it. my There's, issue. I don't really see a lot of commentary on it. I agree. And I think, so this movie reminds me a lot of the movie 500 Days of Summer, mm-hmm. which it's a very similar story. It's a nonlinear narrative about like this relationship. But the whole, the thing that that movie does that I think is really interesting and that I wanted Annie Hall to do is that it's saying the guy whose kind of point of view it's from is the one who has put all of these expectations and like unfair expectations again onto the relationship (laughs) and like the way that he is like viewing the main like um love interest in the movie is like unfair to her because he's basically viewing her as like a particular stereotype instead of like actually letting her be like a real human being Mm -hmm. but i just don't see that commentary in this and i i wanted it it could have been even better i think but alas we it is it is not so the the bulk of the film after this point is is really going through different vignettes with alvi and annie as their relationship rises and falls there's a couple in particular i want to highlight of those vignettes i want to talk about the first very non-glamorous club performance Uh, This scene was hilarious to me. Like this, this is, I was like, okay, here's the comedy. Like it's Annie on stage looking very (laughs) nervous in this club, singing beautifully this like old, like retro song. Mm -hmm. There are people talking. There's like the sound of a tray dropping. Like people are- Oh, but she keeps going. She She keeps keeps going. going. But it's so funny because it's just like the most unglamorous performance I've ever seen. Well, and she is torn up by it, which I will give it to Alvi. He at least, whether his, regardless of what his motives are, like tries to make her feel better about it at the end, which I'm like, oh, this is, if you would do this more selflessly and or more frequently, I might like you more. Yeah. I also, he, I think this is where he has the line that I actually like. It's um, for the date where it's about the kiss. Where he's just kind of like, oh, you know, like at the end of the night, it'll be all the like, oh, should I kiss her? And you'll be like, well, is he going to kiss me? So like, if we just kiss now and get it out of the way, then like, no one has to be nervous later. And so then they have like a cute little kiss on the sidewalk. Like, I thought that was cute. It was if you weren't a fuck boy. (laughs) (laughs) Amen to that, Ian. Amen to that. Anyway. Next couple things, I know there there were several scenes that kind of surrounded around the adult education classes that he was trying to push her into, which, again, she's not an idiot. So your, like, preoccupation with, like, okay, you need to be more intellectual. She's not, even though he doesn't see it. Well, and frankly, she's more artistic than he is. Yeah. 
she's like her photography and stuff, which I wanted to see more of. But I think the fact that we don't see more of it is more commentary on like Alvi's self-centeredness than anything. Oh, for sure. But that whole adult education class thing exposes Alvi being like super jealous and paranoid because he's literally shadowing Annie on the street and sees her with a professor talking. And she's like, the fuck, dude? Nothing's going on. What's your issue? Yeah. <laughs> I'm obviously paraphrasing here, yeah. but again, just exposing more and more of Alvi's like massive flaws. Well, and I do like that. I do feel like the movie does a little bit of a little bit of commentary on this, and where they have it because, like we mentioned, it's nonlinear, so they're kind of jumping back and forth. And it, there's like the scene where he's talking about like, oh, you really should take some of those adult education classes. Like you'll meet so many great mm-hmm. people, and like the professors are really good. Immediately cut to him being like, those adult education classes are stupid. The professors don't know anything. And so we really got to see like, oh, there was a change in this relationship for the even worse. Yeah. Well, and immediately after the the second of those scenes, it's talking about therapy or I guess analysis as they were using the term. And there was this really cool scene where you got to see both of them with their respective therapists. But there's here's the thing is that Alvi has been going to therapy, he says for 15 years. And then there's some stuff in the film where people are like, oh, mm-hmm. for 15 years, that's so long. And it's like a little judgy, which I'm sure is very of the time. But I do like how uh, there's frank, still stigma. Agreed. But not like there was. I would say it's yeah. getting better. Oh, I totally agree. Totally um, agree. But I do love that the film is very frank about like therapy and mental mm-hmm. health, even if I don't think Alvi's therapist is very good because <laughs> he clearly is not working through some things that he needs to work through. Yeah. But uh, he's the one who pushes her into therapy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, which I'm, I am all for as someone who loves going to therapy. It is very productive, but not that kind. <laughs> so again, we get this really cool scene with both of them in their respective therapist's office talking, having a like really awesomely written conjoined conversation about each other. But the gist of it, is he doesn't like the results of her going to therapy and she feels guilty about doing things like not wanting to have sex with him because he is paying for therapy. Standing up for herself too. I just, awesome scene, so much food for thought, but also so infuriating. And again, Alvi being like, I want you to do this, but I don't like the results. Yes, exactly. And it's like, just maybe just let her be her own person and like stop, pushing and then like maybe care about the person and not the idea of the person you want them to be yeah um also that scene fun fact it was actually it's not shot in like the normal split screen method it was on the same soundstage with just a wall separating the two rooms which i think is why the timing's so good because the conversations are the conversations during the, that scene are constantly overlapping, but it's like one will die out at just the right point so you can mm-hmm. get like the big point of the other person's conversation. Like it's extremely well written, extremely well acted and shot. Like mm-hmm. that is such a good scene. Yeah, not gonna lie. But it made me really angry. I, I mean, made me angry too. And honestly, knowing that it was shot on the same sound sound stage, it, a lot of this film did give me like stage play vibes. No, not in a bad way at all, but that that's just like one more, okay, cool. They could have put this on and that it, it feels, I don't know, it feels very real and like you're in it, if that makes sense. And I feel like 
Yeah, I agree. And I feel like breaking the fourth wall and like talking directly to the audience is much more common on stage Mm -hmm. than it is in film or it just it's I don't know. No, I maybe that's just a me thing. But yeah, it feels like a very stage thing to do. In my limited experience. (laughs) Same. I was like, I'm kind of just talking out of my ass on that one, but I'm gonna go with it. Hey. Is what if Alfie can do it, so can I. (laughs) Okay, but just don't do it as much or as poorly. I would never eat. I would never. (laughs) I also do have a note where I was like, this man never shuts up. He really doesn't. It's it was starting to get on my nerves by the end. So Two more like kind of big scenes that I, I want to talk about before we hit the California sets. Uh, one being their weekend in the Hamptons and the whole discussion around her preferring to smoke weed before they have sex. I find this very interesting that Alvi immediately takes that as a personal affront instead of having the empathy to like understand, hey, maybe she just has a lot in her head and this is how she wants to go about doing it. And one, it's because he's a narcissist, Ian, and absolutely everything is about him, even the things that have nothing to do with him. Ugh. But what they do in that scene, which I love, is like, one, he's like, no, don't do it. And oh, so she doesn't. But a phantom of herself literally leaves her body in the middle of the scene, sits on a chair and is like, oh, have you seen my, uh, was it her sketchbook? Like, I want to do some painting while yeah. y'all are at it. <laughs> And then there's even like dialogue where he's like, oh, I feel like you're not all here. And she's like, well, you have my body, like whatever. And he's like, no, but I want like your mind too. And I was like, you can't have everything. He wants everything, Ian, and he can't have everything. And when he gets a fraction of what he wants, he decides he doesn't like it. I I hate this man. Okay, but but that scene was really cool. Really cool. Again, technically really, really cool. And I loved it. I just can't stand out. Even the contents of it made me so mad. Oh my gosh. Well, and, and that's like the the weekend that he had at her parents' house in, I think it was Wisconsin. Which I just want to highlight something really, I want to highlight something really quickly about that Wisconsin trip that's right before that. And that's when he does the, he plays that college uh-huh. and then he's backstage and people are like asking for autographs and pictures and she's kind of following him around and she's trying to like engage him intellectually being like oh i think i'm starting to understand the references but then he just cuts her down and is like oh well the 12 o'clock show is different so like you won't get those but like we're seeing him kind of enjoying the limelight here yeah and then we'll see it reversed later yeah so as part of that set of scenes have a dinner at the table with annie's family and it's like this calm midwestern standard just dinner and the way they juxtapose that with his childhood dinners again in kind of a split screen format loved it also liked the techniques with the anti-semitic grandma yeah because they had established early on that granny was anti-semitic and so they have a cut where he's kind of talking about like it's his idea of how her family is viewing him Mm -hmm. as being like um a very strict, like strictly religious Jew. Mm-hmm. And so he's got like the very traditional, it's just a quick cut, but it's him in like the very traditional outfit with, I don't know the name and I should, but like the curls. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And the the black hat, like yeah, very traditional. Yeah, it's very much like his projection of what he thinks they're projecting onto him. Exactly. But it was a very cool like visual way to do that. Mm-hmm. 
Then we had this like weird scene where her brother talks about her uh, brother how Christopher he, Walken. Oh my god! Yeah, I did not expect that. But he talks about how uh, I think that there's a French phrase for it. It's I think it's like le pel du vide or something like that. Basically, yeah. like the call of the void, where you want to like steer your car into the oncoming headlights, and immediately. The brother is the one driving him to the, him to the airport. <laughs> that was funny. And that was the one time where I was like, Alvi's correct to be nervous. Oh, uh, oh because yeah. it's this the way they shoot. It's so funny. Like the brother Dwayne's like kind of shrouded in darkness. And he's like, Alvi, you're an artist. I feel like you'll understand this, which I was like, not all artists like art being artistic doesn't equal depression. Let's get rid of that stereotype. Mm-hmm. But he like explains about like sometimes when I'm driving, I feel I just feel the urge to like steer into oncoming traffic. And I do love Alvi's response where he's like, "Okay, I gotta go. I'm needed back on planet Earth." But then <laughs> cut to the brother driving them to the airport, and Alvi's like so nervous in the passenger seat. And I was like, "That's funny," and I get why, but also doesn't do anything to the plot of the film. It doesn't. It was a fun moment, but. It was funny, but also completely unneeded and has nothing to do with the overall message of the film. Yeah. So somewhere in here, they do decide to break up the first time. Try on some other people for size. Alvy goes on a disastrous date. With with, Shelly Duvall. I know. I was like, oh my God, look. Hi, Shelly. Which, uh, I just, it, it was interesting to see him in that date because I think he finally, like it felt like he was realizing what he had lost in Annie. But then obviously he didn't. So is what it is. It also made me mad that I was like, because I think he's kind of the one who wants to break up mm-hmm. too. Like, and because she talks about him not wanting to commit earlier. He's not happy that she's moving in with him. Like he talks about wanting to keep the relationship flexible. And then he gets mad about the professor. And she's like, you're the one who wanted to keep the relationship, quote unquote, flexible. But like to see him having done all of that to her, And then to be going on a date with another woman and not even trying, but having already decided that he's not super interested in her because of this like romanticized version of Annie that he has in his head now that Mm -hmm. he's lost her really like pissed me off. Yeah. He's like using this poor unsuspecting women woman for self-discovery. And it's. (sighs) But like, and then, and then he's like, like you can just tell that he's so not into it and then he still sleeps with her mm-hmm. and then leaves her to go and help Annie kill a spider. Okay. I will say though, to be fair on the phone, it sounds like Annie's like, it's an emergency. And it doesn't does tell him what the emergency is. And then he shows up and she's like, there's a giant spider in my bathroom. I need you to kill it. Which that scene again, like had comedic moments. I loved the part where you see him in front of the picture of him, uh, like trying to deal with the lobsters from like a way earlier scene that we didn't quite touch on. But again, it's like her photography showing how she views him and then him like still being unable to get his shit together and actually deal with the situation at hand. Yeah, I do like when he's, well, well, I don't like that he's doing this, but once again, he's being rude to her about like, can't you just kill your own spider? And then he goes into the bathroom and he then comes out and is like, okay, well, I need a broom. It's a really big spider. Like it's size, like the of, size a of a Buick. <laughs> but there's also something else small that happens in that scene, which I feel like then becomes a theme and is like a good example of one of the things I really dislike about Alvi's character and that could have been a cool character arc for him, but just doesn't happen. And that's the soap. 
So as he's in there to kill the spider, he like picks up a bar of soap and it's a black bar of soap. He's like, why do you have a black bar of soap? And she's like, it's for my complexion. And he, one, says something kind of racist. And then two, is like very condescending about it. And I'm like, that's a bar of charcoal soap. Charcoal is actually very good for cleaning out pores and is like a common skincare thing. But he's being completely just condescending and rude about something that he understands nothing about because as far as he's concerned if he doesn't understand it it's not important well and if he doesn't understand it obviously it's blackface which is what his joke was about i'm like dude come on (laughs) no yeah it's but that that one little interaction i was like that sums up so much of the things that i hate about his character is that he's rude and like racist and homophobic about things because it's a thing that he doesn't understand and therefore he assumes it's stupid. Yeah. Anyway. No, I agree. Jumping off my soapbox once again. It's fine. I did, have you really left your soapbox at all? I've had I, one I foot on it so. the entire time. Um, <laughs> so anyway, it, it kind of before we get to the California scenes, one last thing is the second singing scene. And this is when Annie really like kills it has a, guy who might be like sort of a music producer basically invite her to a party and be like let's talk about making a record and i think this is the scene that you were talking about where it's like all of a sudden she's getting attention and they have a thing they have to go to yeah the thing mm-hmm. you remember the thing maggie oh yeah the the, the thing wait what thing oh the <laughs> thing <laughs> I do. I didn't like the context of that scene, but like that back and forth, it's like when you're at a party and like some kind of creepy guy hits on you and you're trying to get your friend to leave and you're like, we have to go to the thing. But your friend's a little drunk and so it takes him a little bit to like (laughs) realize what you're doing. Yeah. But it does set up kind of the rest of the film pretty well because it's like, okay, she has aspirations. You can tell she does. And he doesn't like that she has aspirations or at least doesn't like that he's not the center of them. So Anyway, they have a Christmas trip to California in which Alvi's supposed to do something. He has some psychosomatic nausea. Oh, my God. Um, can't I, do it. The thing I read about that scene is I was like, just when I thought this man couldn't get any more insufferable, <laughs> we had to see him sick. Like, y- yeah, so much man flu going on there. And then she's like on the phone with the people because he's supposed to be hosting like some award show or whatever. And she's like, oh, they got someone else to stand in. He's like, great. Well, now I can't even do the show. And he gets better almost immediately. Yeah. And he starts eating the chicken that they were trying to get him to eat. I just, what a diva. Yeah. They also have a house party going on in that kind of set of scenes that, uh, I'm trying to really wrap my mind around like what that served other than just being kind of like, okay, look at the most glamorous thing that we could think of of for California to draw Annie out here. But I just, it's a lot of like him and his friend being like kind of creepy and stuff. Yeah. Pigs. That's a good, yeah, that's a good word for it. They have a, but they do run into record producer guy. So that's like keeping that thread alive. So that, that scene there in the screening room, like I think did, serve like a really good purpose to contrast the California like vibe and setting with New York. There is also the scene right before they go out to California with the cocaine. Oh my God. Where the guy's like 2000 an ounce. Yeah. He's talking about the price and everything. And then (laughs) Alvie sneezes into the tin and it goes everywhere, which is a funny, like a funny visual gag. The parts are funny. The whole is not. Um, (laughs) So 
loved the scene coming back from California on the plane, though, because you get their inner monologue as they're both faced uh, opposite of one another on the plane. And both of them are like, we should break up. It's going to devastate the other. Yes, exactly. But uh, she finally says it. Or does he finally say it? I I believe she does. I think she finally says it and he just like immediately agrees. And so then we cut to the scene of them divvying up the books, which I was like, when they kind of start fighting a little bit about the books, I was like, oh, that would be me in a breakup. (laughs) (laughs) Except for the answer is all of the books are mine. (laughs) Well, yeah, that, that we know. But I mean, they were fairly, there were some like thinly veiled jabs at each other. It ties in a lot of the stuff we saw early on, like mm-hmm. very early on, there's a scene where they're in a bookstore where he's like, oh, I'm buying these because you should read them, which was so condescending. I just, that made me mad. Although I was like, it's not like you're like, oh, I'll buy, like you should read, like, I don't know. It was, he said it with such like a, you have to do this tone is what bothered me. And he also talked down about the book that she had in her hand. Yes. So like, I, I'm with you on that. Yeah. And then I like when she's like, all you want me to do, oh, you only give me books with the word death in the title. And then even when he, she's like, this one's yours. Did you notice he put it in her box? Yeah. The death one. Such imposition. Ugh. Can't do it. What? Also, like, what a downer. <laughs> Who yeah. wants to be around that guy? But I do love that almost immediately he realizes that he fucked up. So like... Again, though, he only appreciates her when she's gone because it's that idea of, like, maybe you're misremembering, but they never actually, like, drive that theme home. Yep. It's like, yep. when she's gone, he's like, oh, I miss her. But then when she's back, he's like, I don't like anything you're doing. <laughs> Which one is it? <laughs> it almost feels like it boils down to, I like the idea of you, but I want to be more controlling than you will allow me to be. It's absolutely, I like the idea of you. I mean, the character of Annie Hall is the manic pixie dream girl stereotype yeah. uh, but Diane Keaton's amazing and gives her more depth which I love mm-hmm. but it is this idea that he's like this is what I think of as like the perfect woman and he's trying to make Annie into that and then when she's not complying because she's her own human being he gets upset and starts to find all the cracks in the relationship and then the minute she's gone all he thinks of about is that ideal yeah Yeah, exactly. So he decides to, seemingly without telling anybody, fly back to California. Yeah. A-plus move right there. It's great. Idiot. Because Annie has moved out to California. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Which I don't blame her. Like, California looks great compared to where he's coming from in New York. 1970s New York. (laughs) So they meet up at this, like, health vegan cafe thing. I don't know what they would have called it then. LA has never changed. Uh, no, apparently, because there's like a yeast cake that he orders, <laughs> which I don't know, not my cup of tea, but they meet up. She looks great. And he's basically like, I still love you. Come back to New York. He's also, me. when he says that she looks great, you, I maybe this was just me layering shit onto this character. But I was like, he seems a little mad that she looks great. <laughs> I mean, or sad at the very least. Yeah. So I is what it is. And I... I love how she, again, for whatever reason, don't know what reason, is kind enough to be like, no, we're friends. No, I'm not going with you, is like as nice about it as she can. Yeah, well, she's finally set the line where she's like, I'm willing to be friends, but like, we're not going back and doing this again. Like, we've broken twice. And she's worried about like her career. Like, she's following her dreams, and he's not a part of that because 
why would he be? <laughs> Such a great question. I, I did enjoy him trying to leave the parking lot. So they walk back to the car. She's like, I'm out. He's driving this boat of a Cadillac and manages to hit. And he's from New York, so he can't drive for shit. Exactly. So no offense, he hits. No offense, New Yorkers. <laughs> well, it's interesting because we did establish her early on in one of the first scenes where their relationship is building. Yeah, as he being complains a poor about driver. her. He complains about her driving the whole, like all yeah. the time. But then he hits trash cans and not one car, not two cars, but three, three cars. cars. <laughs> and then when he tries to give the license to the cop, that's like, "Hey, give it to me." He has a meltdown, and I'm like, "Ugh!" So he's in jail. Not that I'm he's, sad about this. He's just a mess of a person. Um, and then, then his his friend comes and picks him up. Who's his friend is out there like making movies or whatever. But like, I just this is where we're getting into the end. And I did not like the way this ended. I felt very unsatisfied. Yeah, beginning of the end. He is. It's a rehearsal and a rehashing of the scene at the the restaurant with actors and the end this time is exactly what alvi wanted and two thoughts are coming to mind one you learned nothing two why does she want to go with you good question ian um also can we just talk about the fact that like this man gets to put on a play about like his frankly run-of-the-mill relationship drama and thinks it's important but like it's so hard for like women and like writers of color to like get their work and their experiences on stage but we have like yet another like sad middle to upper class straight white man who's like but my romance that was really just like a normal relation kind of tumultuous relationship should be a play i and, and then I'm going to change the ending of it so that it's her being like, no, wait, I'm coming with you. I would never leave. Like, just the way they did a brilliant job giving the visual feel, like, so much distance between New York and L.A. And, like, oh, I yeah. want to be in the nice, warm L.A. Same. <laughs> Absolutely same. But I just, yeah, that ending. And then he has the line where he's like, you know, because sometimes maybe the reason we like make art is because like we want it to turn out happy, which I was like, that's like a cool sentiment. And I liked the turn of phrase there. But I was like, is that the theme of this? Like, if so, why was it not introduced earlier? Like, I think I had a hard time understanding like what the theme and message was going to be, including at the end. One, I didn't like that he was like, yeah, Annie just like moves back to New York or whatever. Like, I was like, can she not have like a fun career? Okay, whatever. And he's like, you know, we stopped and had lunch that one time. And then he has the story about the joke with the chicken. Ian, would you like to explain the joke with the chicken? That's like the final couple lines of the movie. Um, I, w- I would love to explain it if I like fully understood why it was funny. But it's something along the lines of like, oh, my brother thought he was a chicken, took him to the doctor about wanting to change him back. And he's like, no, I need the eggs. Yeah. Or he was, he's crazy. And so, or my brother thinks he's a chicken. Oh, yes. The doctor's that. like, he's crazy. We should, should we put him in an asylum? And he's like, no, I need the eggs. So he's like, well, relationships are like that. Like they're crazy. And, but we do them because we all just need the eggs. And I was like, I don't, like, you're not selling me on, that theme like it's yeah so am i supposed to take away that you're just a drama queen and just wanna like have relationship drama all the time that's your eggs that you want here's my thing is i'm like but why like that's fixable like you know what i mean like it's like a 
if you're like, well, relationships suck, but I still have them. It's like that can that can be fixable. Yeah. Like you can yeah. examine maybe your behaviors or you could think about like the people you're choosing to go out with. Like, like you don't have to keep doing the thing that makes you unhappy if it makes you unhappy. Like you can do it a different way. And I like, that's where I was like, this character hasn't learned anything. He hasn't grown at all. And that made me just hate everything, Ian. I don't need the eggs. I I don't need his eggs. Are you kidding? <laughs> there we go. I'll find other eggs. My own eggs. Thank you very much. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I just, and I, I had read that the original script, which this kind of makes me be like, should they really have gotten an Oscar for it then? The original script was very different from what the movie ended up being. Like the movie really came together in the editing and originally mm-hmm. the relationship was not front and center. It was just like this guy's life, which frankly, even less appealing to me. I mean, if, if I was reading something about it being a murder mystery, like oh, there was a murder mystery element at one that, point. Yes. But... Uh, that Woody Allen later kind of like changed into another film that he did. But like, I there was like the it became about the relationship in the editing, and I was like, well, I think that explains why there's no character arc. Yeah. If like it, if you didn't write the character arc, then there won't be a character arc. <laughs> yeah, like I guess you could introduce it through editing, but if you never filmed the scene where you learn and change, then like you're never gonna have learned or changed. So I think I think that's why there's no character arc, and I hate it. And honestly, I can see the parts of like a murder mystery comedy where Diane Keaton's character is like the buddy sidekick, like to this whole thing. Like I, I could see that working mm-hmm. anyway. It, it yeah. did, didn't in its current iteration for me. So no. it is well, well beloved by lots of people. And like I said earlier, parts of it are amazing and technically one of the best films that we've seen. Yeah. I just cannot get over the horrible scum of a man that is Alvy. I know. And again, I would have been fine with that if he had grown and changed, but like, I didn't, I didn't like watching. And I, part of the reason that I didn't like that character so much was because he is, he's so real. Mm. I've, as Sangeeta said, I've met that guy at parties and I hate him. <laughs> so that's definitely like, I mean, I guess like if that's what you're going for props, cause the realism is there, but mm, yeah. I just, ugh. Let's talk about lists. Yeah. So I know where I'm going to put it. How about you? Uh, I do not. So you should mm-hmm. go first. Okay. I will. So I'm putting it at number 43. <laughs> okay. So that's between Gigi and All the King's Men. So I think for me, it's definitely better than All, all the King's Men. There is no doubt there. Like they did not edit All the King's Men. They were just like <laughs> no. chop some things. <laughs> I, and maybe I'm putting this a little bit too low, but I really hate Alvi, and more so than I hated uh, Gigi's counterpart. I also felt there were much more, at least through a modern lens, problematic like aspects to this film, whereas Gigi had some, but not to this extent. So it's just wasn't particularly entertained on the whole. Lots of things that I would like to change. No character arc, just really pretty editing. Yeah. Mine's going to be substantially higher. I actually just realized that I haven't updated my lit, like my written list in like three movies. So I got to go back and figure out where I slotted some things. So this number will likely change. Um, but currently, 
So it would probably be going in around number 30. Okay. So I would put it above The Godfather because I wasn't bored (laughs) the same way I was with The Godfather (laughs) and it's not nearly as long. And I found it visually more interesting than I found The Godfather, although it's the same cinematographer. Interesting. But they were so much more inventive with this one, I felt. I did too. I did too. And even though like... Like, even just the shots and, like, like The Godfather is also a lot of people sitting around talking, and Annie Hall is a lot of people sitting around talking, but I thought people were more animated in the Annie Hall conversations. The conversations were more interesting, and I just liked the way they were framed and set up a little bit better. Um, but mm-hmm. it is the same cinematographer, and I do think that the cinematography and, like, the technical aspects of this movie are a lot would, – would alone put it higher than where I'm putting it on my list, but the mm-hmm. fact that, like, I – I hate the character of Alvi so much and that I don't think there's a character arc, which is a big thing for me with movies and storytelling in general. And the fact that like, I don't really think it's saying anything. Yeah. Um, would bring it down lower. No, I'm with you. This is a top five movie for cinematography for me, but a bottom five in terms of character. And so. I think we just discovered that, uh, Ian, I worry more about plot than character. Bailey just, Okay, said that it's been like was 10 so much more movies <laughs> since I have started softening at least 10 <laughs> This was always the case. Fair you read. just didn't Fair know read. it. True. Um, so anyway, <laughs> that is Annie Hall. Um, uh, last question I have for you. Would you give the Oscar to Star Wars over Annie Hall? I would. <laughs> I, yeah. I haven't watched episode four in a long time. Or the renumbered episode four, rather. Uh, so I, yeah, I would. <laughs> I would too. I I would too. If you actually want to hear more of our thoughts on that one, uh, which is what we wish we had been covering today, we did a guest episode on Cinemusts where we talked about uh, Star Wars: A New Hope. So everybody should go check that out after they listen to us talk about why Annie Hall made us so mad. Y- yeah. All right. That's it. Yeah, that is it. Thank goodness. But uh, thank you for listening. Did we learn anything from this? Did we grow and change as people, Ian? What was our character arc over the course of this episode? Um, My character arc was, I think Freud screwed up a whole generation of people, but I don't know anything about psychology, so don't listen to me. (laughs) I think mine was just getting steadily, I I just got steadily angrier, and then I hit a point where I'm like, I'm too tired to be angry. All angered out. All angered out. (laughs) So thank you for listening. Uh, In the meantime, before our next episode, uh, please do check us out on social media. We are at Best Pictures Pod on Instagram and Twitter. Or if you have something a little bit more long form, would love to discuss more about Annie Hall, which even though we're super angry, it's fun to discuss. (laughs) Uh, Please email us in at bestpicturespodcast at gmail.com. And uh, join us next time when we do The Deer Hunter. It's a downer, Ian. I'm going to warn you right now. That one's a downer. It's fine. We got this. We got this. We got this. Until next time, I'm going to go watch Star Wars now. Love it.